When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Hardy of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about Tulsi, the holiest of basils. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. to talk about holy basil, otherwise called sacred basil, also called tulsi or tulasi. I love this plant. It has the most beautiful smell, I think. It has like a little bit of that spicy basil smell to it, but also like a lot of sweet floral hints to it. It's just very energizing and soothing and calming all at the same time. The smell alone, but also the plant. I, my fondest memory of first discovering this plant was, I must have been an early teenager. And my mom had given me a section of the yard that I could plant a garden in. And at that point, I already loved herbs. I love them because of their smells. Their smells are what drew me to many of the common herbs, you know, basil, lavender, mint, all in the mint family, the Lamiaceae family, which holy basil and basils are members of. And, you know, we lived in Vermont at the time, and all I remember now is just kind of driving down these long, curvy hillside dirt roads and we got to some beautiful little plant nursery or farm. I just kind of felt like it was out in the middle of nowhere. And there was this woman that was there, the owner, the gardener. Um, and she, it was just her and her greenhouse. And I, you know, she, she seemed magical unto herself and I remember her asking, oh, is there anything specific that you're looking for? And I think I probably said, oh, I just, you know, I'm going to be planting my own little herb garden. And I just, do you have any herbs? And I really like the scent of herbs. And she was like, oh, well, I have the best herb, the best scent for you. And it was holy basil. And it was the first time I'd ever been introduced to the plant. And she was just like, here, smell this. And I just remember brushing the plant and smelling it and falling in love, just being like, oh, that smells amazing. 
And then she went on to tell me, you know, this is called holy basil or sacred basil. And it is a plant that is grown outside of Hindu temples um, and recognized as a very sacred plant, especially because of its smell. And it would be picked, the leaves would be picked and brought into the temples as offerings. And the scent of the plant would help bring people more into um, the sacred space in their mind and in their being. And I was hooked ever since then. I definitely, we purchased the plant and I planted it. Um, and I just, very fond memory. So since then, I've come to really get to know a lot more about this beautiful basil plant. And I'd like to share um, what I've learned with you today. So we'll start with the name, holy basil, sacred basil. I think that's obvious because it is seen as a very uh, sacred plant in the Hindu religion. Asimum, which is the genus for basils, and this um, is the Asimum sanctum is the species name. That's the older species name, which I love, and I hope that we stick with that. The other species name is Tenuflorum, and it's in the Lamiaceae family, also known as the mint family. Other common names for this plant, the Hindu names are Tulsi or Tulasi. And you see it being called that more and more these days in America as well. So this plant is originally from the lowlands of India, um, also from Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Myanmar. You find it in Southern China, Thailand, Malaysia, Western Asia, Central and South America, and even Puerto Rico. There are um, multiple or a couple different kind of subspecies or varieties of the Asimum sanctum. One is known as either Sri or Rama Tulsi, which is the common green leaf Tulsi. It's a little sweeter and it's the one that's most often grown and worked with medicinally. Then there is the Krishna Tulsi, which is a darker green to purple leaves, and it has a stronger taste and smell to it as well. I feel like it's a little bit more bitter, but also maybe a little bit more uh, basil kind of flavor, less sweet. And then there is Vana Tulsi, which is a different species. It's Asimum gratissimum. And this is a green-leafed forest variety that grows wild and is a perennial. The other two are um, annuals, or I guess they probably could be perennials in these really warm climates. But the perennial is known to kind of grow into very large plants and live for a long time. So as I was saying, Tulsi is very sacred in the Hindu tradition and Tulasi means the incomparable one and is basically worshipped as an embodiment of the divine mother on earth or the most sacred goddess figure that is related to Lord Vishnu. So there's it's like the female counterpart to Lord Vishnu and Vishnu is the preserver and protector of the universe from my understanding and his role is to return to earth in troubled times and restore the balance of good and evil um, he is seen as one of the main male gods and his female counterpart is seen as a couple different, uh, you know, again, I'm definitely not Hindu uh, following. So just from the base, the basic amount that I've read, it is a little confusing to me, but 
There's uh, Lakshmi, which is seen as a female counterpart to Vishnu. But then there's also like different aspects of Vishnu that um, are kind of more earthbound, I guess. And maybe Krishna is one of them. And then maybe there's a couple other aspects of him as well. And so then there are also a couple aspects and embodied um female counterparts that are also connected with those aspects of Vishnu. And Tulsi can represent or actually be seen as an embodied aspect of those female goddesses. Dr. Vasant Ladd and Dr. David Frawley wrote in the Yoga of Herbs, next to the lotus, basil is perhaps the most sacred plant of India. And here they're talking about Tulsi specifically. They go on to say that basil opens the heart and mind, bestowing the energy of love and devotion. Sacred to Vishnu and Krishna, it strengthens faith, compassion, and clarity. Tulsi stems are worn as rosaries and promote energy of attachment. Basil gives the protection of the divine by clearing the aura and strengthening the immune system. They also say in the Yoga of Herbs, which is a great book if you're interested in Ayurveda and Indian herbs, that basil absorbs positive ions, energizes negative ions, and liberates ozone from the sun's rays. In the book Adaptogens, Herbs for Strength, Stamina, and Stress Relief, by David Winston and Stephen Mames. They have a nice chapter on Tulsi. And in that, they say that holy basil is sacred to the Hindu god Vishnu and is used in morning prayers to ensure personal health, spiritual purity, and family well-being. They also talk about the strings of beads that are made from the plant stems that are used in man meditation to give clarity and protection. There's also this great little book that I think I originally got from the seed company, Strictly Medicinal, and it's called uh, Tulasi Devi, Goddess of Devotion. And it's a sweet little book that's all about Tulsi and was written in India by Sarvaga and Gunavati. You can find it. They have a website, uh, www.amritapuri.org. And this was published in 2008, was the first edition. They go through all like medicinal and uh, spiritual aspects of this plant. And I want to read just a bit on this one page in the introduction that's called The Incomparable One. Tulasi means the incomparable one. She has been worshipped for thousands of years as an embodiment of the Divine Mother on Earth. In legends, scriptures, medicinal practices, households, temples, and hearts, Tulasi has grown and flourished as an undying symbol of the reverence for nature inherent in the ancient culture of India. The Divine Mother, exemplifying self-sacrifice and humility, has taken the form of this simple plant. Out of her infinite compassion, she offers her entire being, her leaves, flowers, seeds, and stems, for worship and medicine. Her body, in the form of wood, is given to become beads on which the names of God are chanted. She teaches that even the simplest looking plant is an embodiment of divinity. Through this, we learn to behold God in even the smallest things and to honor the divine in every aspect of creation. Tulasi has the ability to heal countless diseases of the body, mind, and spirit, bringing harmony and healing on all levels. She's able to heal the physical eyes and inwardly helps us to behold the vision of the divine within all of creation. She opens our hearts to love 
and simultaneously, our physical hearts are protected and strengthened. The sanctity of Tulasi is reawakening the inherent longing in people around the world to honor the divine, the divinity of Mother Nature. You can even look online and look up, you know, Tulsi in Hindu religion. Um, and what you'll find is, yes, it is becomes this embodiment of the divine female, um, the goddess, the earth goddess, and the goddess of plants as a common way that people can ritualize their relationship to the goddess and to the earth goddess and the goddess of nature. Often in Hindu households, there are, there is a, a Tulsi plant that's almost in a, as a shrine. Um, and there is a, usually a four sided square planter that's quite tall and on, in the top of that is a Tulsi plant. And that Tulsi plant is cared for in a very ritual um, and worship way. And it's often the woman, or it is the woman of the household that takes care of the plant and waters it and offers it gifts and every morning. And then there are a couple different days that are like specific Tulsi days of the week. There is a beautiful, sacred aspect to the connection of human and plant, like this beautiful relationship in recognizing the divine within the plant, the divinity within the plant, but also recognizing that it's a very humble plant. It's a very simple plant. It smells amazing for sure but it's you know the flowers are not very showy it's not some really bright and obvious plant it's just a very simple beautiful plant that can be useful in cooking or in medicine or in natural scent therapy and i just find that really beautiful and in my mind it even like links the old ways and um, the the book that I just read from hints to it a little bit, but even potentially, and again, this is my own personal thought, um, but even before the patriarchal religion of Hinduism, where, you know, Lord Vishnu is the higher being and then the female counterpart is a little bit lesser than or is all about their marriage and is still the wife to um, this male counterpart that originally there was this goddess religion aspect and the connection to the green world and the connection to nature and how it has remained in the households and in the current Hindu tradition and religion this plant worship. I, I, I think it's beautiful. And uh, one that is to be respected and honored, especially from afar, you know, looking from afar um, as a as an American, but just I can understand the draw that this plant has from its scent alone really. But then once you get to know the plant and how delicious it is as a tea and as medicine and as a garden herb, it, it makes even more sense. The connection um, is more, there's more understanding in my mind. So let's get into that a little bit. Let's get into the aspects, the medicinal aspects of this plant. Energetically, it's uh, warming and drying. It's aromatic, sweet, pungent, and bitter. It has a large array of benefits on the body and different systems in the body. Number one, it's best known as an adaptogen. 
And if you want to learn more about adaptogens in general, check out my episode of the Healthy Herb Podcast number 12, where I highlight adaptogens and go into them in depth. But to define an adaptogen, they basically have three aspects to them. One is adaptogens are non-toxic and usually very safe herbs. They are have a non-specific defense response to stress. So they help us uh, be more adaptable in stressful situations, but in a non-specific way. And they are normalizing. They have a normalizing influence on our body. So very vague, very general speaking, they basically help bring our body more toward homeostasis and a healthier way of being. Adaptogens often benefit the immune system. They help with energy levels. They help us in our reactions to stressors and everyday stressful situations. And they often help to build our endurance, both to physical stress and emotional stress. In Ayurveda, uh, Tulsi is classified as a Ramayana, which is an herb that nourishes a person's growth to perfect health and promotes long life. Along those lines, Tulsi is benefits our respiratory system, our digestive system, our nervous system, our cardiovascular system, our mental capacity, and so much more. So I'd like to get into that in a little more depth. Stick with me and I'll be right back to dive a little deeper into Tulsi. that we know about Tulsi is it is in the mint family. So that tells us a lot right there because there are a lot of similarities of plants that are in the mint family, especially mint family plants that have a scent to them, that have volatile oils to them. So plants that have volatile oils, especially in larger amounts, tend to be antimicrobial in action, antiseptic, because those volatile oils alone, which we can turn into and concentrate into essential oils, are by definition antimicrobial. They can kill um, bacterias, funguses, even viruses. So Tulsi specifically can fight colds, influenza, and other viral infections. Not only that, but if there is sinus congestion or inflamed sinuses in such as sinusitis and allergic rhinitis, um, Tulsi could be beneficial for people that are experiencing these in relieving these symptoms, relieving the inflammation, relieving the congestion and any bacteria that may be causing these. Especially, you know, either as a tea or a tincture or even a steam, an herbal steam with the Tulsi in hot water. It's also known to help allay uh, general allergy symptoms and enhances antibody production while also inhibiting the symptoms of the allergies. It um, can help relieve lung conditions, so coughs general lung congestion, bronchial mucus, and bronchitis, which is the inflammation of the bronchi bronchi. And uh, it's generally known as a smooth muscle relaxant. So it can help relax spasming coughs. 
And we'll see how that smooth muscle relaxant can also help in our digestive system and in our intestines once we talk about that. Also, um, because it can relax muscles, it can reduce asthma symptoms and relax bronchospasms that um, are in relation to asthma. Along the antimicrobial, it does fight fungal infections and also the herpes virus. So not only is it antimicrobial and antiseptic and supporting the immune system in that way, it's also an immune modulator, and that is more in line with its adaptogen aspect, where it can help normalize immune function, and that's one way that it can help with um, allergies or maybe even other autoimmune conditions. As I said, in its ability as an adaptogen, it can help us to be um, more adaptive to stressful situations. It can help relieve anxiety and heart palpitations that are due to anxiety. They, it just has an overall relaxing effect on the nervous system and is considered a nervine. It reduces stress in general. Not only that, but it is known to have some antidepressant properties and can help uh, people who are experiencing seasonal affective disorder. It's considered a neuroprotective, so it actually is known to be able to strengthen nerve tissue and protect it. This makes me think of its relationship to the herpes virus, which often can be in the nerves, especially um, in cases of shingles. And so it makes me think, well, maybe Tulsi could be very beneficial for people who have shingles or have had them in the past. Tulsi has a really amazing effect on the mind. And I think, I personally think that that is one reason why it is considered to be so sacred. Because when there are herbs that help our mind and help to calm the mind and center the mind and um, bring it into a more meditative state more easily then they, they are helpful in ceremony and ritual and uh, religious and spiritual ceremony and ritual. Tulsi specifically restores the function to the part of the brain that processes short-term memory into long-term memory and improves memory overall. It helps bring clarity to the mind and can relieve mental fog. And this is specific for if there's been excessive cannabis use that can bring fog to the mind. And also like a menopausal brain fog that a lot of people speak of that can help kind of bring clarity to that as well. It is known to enhance cerebral circulation. So it can help bring the blood flow to the brain and in so doing, help to expand and sharpen our awareness. And again, help to bring that mental clarity. It's beneficial for people who are struggling with ADD or ADHD. And for people who are recovering from any sort of head trauma. Because again, it's going to bring more blood, more circulation, and more healing to that area. It's also able to aid in meditation and promote compassion and calm the mind. I This is one thing that I love Tulsi for. If I am in a really stressful time of life or feeling kind of edgy or irritated or just like my mind is not at ease, then I love to make a nice big quart jar of Tulsi tea and sip on it throughout the day. And it just, I just feel like it does help to bring me more to a centered state of being. And it tastes delicious. And it's so common now um, that you can easily find even Tulsi tea bags 
in your local health food store or health food section of your grocery store. It's um, also known as an analgesic, which is a pain reliever. So it can inhibit the COX-2 enzyme, which is um, an enzyme that can lead to inflammation, and it's along the same pathways that non-steroidal anti-inflammatories work as well. Um, but those, the NSAIDs also inhibit the COX-1 enzyme, which is one that actually can, is an enzyme that protects our stomach lining and um, prevents ulcers from forming. And that's why if it inhibits that enzyme as well, the COX-1 enzyme, the NSAIDs do that, your typical um, anti-inflammatory drugs, then that's why one of their side effects is stomach ulcers. And so there are a lot of herbs that are the Co COX-2 inhibitors, but don't inhibit the COX-1 as well. And Tulsi is one of those. Also, is the other benefit in its pain relieving potential is again due to an aspect of its volatile oil. Tulsi is high in eugenol, which is a volatile oil that's also found in cloves, which is the pain relieving aspect of cloves. Like you'll hear people talk about um, working with cloves to reduce. Um, you know, maybe like a tooth pain, like you just chew on a clove or suck on a clove. Um, some people go as far as putting clove essential oil in their mouth, which I would not really work with. I think just having a clove in your mouth is fine enough, but that eugenol is very strong um, numbing ability. And so that's also in the Tulsi. Uh, Tulsi is known to help relieve headaches, pain from arthritis, and rheumatism. Tulsi is also a cardiovascular tonic, so great support for the heart. And you'll find a lot of times, or I have found a lot of times, that plants that benefit the nervous system very often also benefit and support the cardiovascular system. So similar to how Tulsi can help relieve heart palpitations from stress. I mean, there's a huge connection between stress and the health of our heart. So any herb that can help moderate our response to stress is going to be beneficial to our heart as well. It can help mediate stress-related damage to the heart and not only that, but it can lower stress-related high blood pressure and even blood pressure in general. Uh, it promotes circulation. It's diffusive, so it really kind of, and again, like it promotes circulation to the brain. It also can promote circulation to the extremities, which could probably be beneficial if you have chronic cold hands and feet or just generally cold. Another benefit of Tulsi is that it optimizes cholesterol levels if you take it daily, maybe in a tea or even a tincture. It's been shown to mildly reduce um, LDL cholesterol and triglycerides, but not really have much of an effect on the HDL, the beneficial cholesterol. It does have a slight blood thinning anticoagulant property to it. So um, some herbalists say, you know, be caution, cautious if you are taking blood thinner drugs, because this might potentially just increase the blood thinning. But I don't see that written much in the books that talk about possible, you know, interactions or issues with Tulsi, which that main, the main book that I find for that is the American Herbal Products Association's Botanical Safety Handbook. 
edited by Zoe Gardner and Michael McGuffin. It's an awesome book. It's like an encyclopedia. It's huge. It's thick. And they do have a nice chapter on Awesomeum tenuflorum in it, holy basil. And that's not one of the issues that they talk about. I will talk about what they, I will talk about what the book talks about in a little bit about potential um, things to be cautious of with this herb. But again, because it's an adaptogen, by definition, it's non-toxic and generally safe. Because, and this is another general mint family characteristic, especially with the mint family plants that have a nice aroma to them. It benefits the digestion. It, because of this volatile oils, it's a, considered an aromatic, uh, a carminative, which helps to relieve and dispel gas. It's a general digestive, so improving digestion overall. And again, it does have some bitter, a slight bitter aspect to it, uh, which also is always going to benefit digestion and the liver. And it is antispasmodic, which we talked about with the smooth muscle, the ability to relax smooth muscles. And, and again, for like helping with coughing. So overall supports digestion. It, if there's a lot of abdominal distension or bloating, uh, upset stomach, gas, intestinal cramping, uh, Tulsi probably in the tea form, like a nice cup of Tulsi tea after you eat a meal could be very beneficial. Uh, it's excellent for helping to heal ulcers and also prevent gastric ulcers. It can help people who have chronic heartburn or if there's any nausea or vomiting, it could help to allay that. And overall, it improves the appetite and has an anabolic ability uh, with enhancing protein synthesis and the ability to increase muscle mass and strength. So it's really beneficial after states of debility or for people who, have, um, who are elders or are dealing with cancer and cancer treatments. It's a smooth muscle relaxant, as we said. Um, so in how it can benefit digestion as being a smooth muscle relaxant is it reduces the excess peristalsis in the intestines. Peristalsis is the movement of the intestines and how it moves things through and can slow gut transit time, which can be beneficial if you aren't absorbing your nutrition fast enough. Um, if food is just moving through you and is not allowing enough time for you to gain the nutrition from your food while it is in your intestines. Tulsi holy basil has also been shown to help with blood sugar modulation and it can lower blood sugar in type 2 diabetes and is really beneficial for people with insulin resistance. Again, this is something to be cautious of if you are uh, incorporating a lot of holy basil into your daily lifestyle and if you are already on um, blood sugar lowering drugs or insulin then, then and you're paying attention to your blood sugar levels, just pay extra attention to them when you are consuming Tulsi and you may not need as much of your meds uh, potentially. And if you are, you know, you might want to work with a doctor with this. I'm not sure, but it's just something to be aware of. Again, it's really beneficial um, as a liver protector and a liver supporter in general. It has, because it has this like diffusive effect and enhancing circulation, it's also known as a diaphoretic, so it can actually um, bring the circulation to the outside edges, so to speak, or like the skin layer of the body um, and 
open up the pores to help release excess heat from the body. It may make you sweat. It could help um, lower a fever. It is a a strong antioxidant. Not only that, but it's known as a radioprotective, so it actually protects against damaging effects of ionizing radiation. So for people who are going through cancer therapies and radiation therapies or who have been exposed to radioactive uh, material, or know that you will be exposed to radioactive material, then it can act as a great protective. And in the book, Herbal Contraindications and Drug Interactions Plus Herbal Adjuncts with Medicines by Frances Brinker, N.D., she has um, a list of herbs that are protection from adverse effects by cobalt-60 or cesium-137 gamma radiation, and Tulsi is in that list. It's also been shown to be helpful with um, cancer prevention and the ability to slow or inhibit growth of already established cancers and potentially slow the progression of the cancers and increase longevity. Tulsi is considered um, an exhilarant, which basically helps uh, vitality and uh, excitement for life and increased energy levels. But it's not an it's not a stimulant. It's it's known to be a diuretic, probably especially if you're drinking it as a tea. And then there are some uh, benefits for women. Uh, it's known to be a galactagogue, which can help to produce more breast milk if you are um, nursing. And it's beneficial for many menopausal and PMS type symptoms. Um, mostly, I think, because it is an adaptogen and because it helps benefit the nervous system and the mind. However, there is one thing to be cautious of and that uh, regular use of Tulsi may lower fertility, both in men and women. Uh, so you don't want to... And then you also probably... Like most mints often come with a don't use while pregnant, you know, kind of safety consideration as well. At least don't use in massive amounts. If you drink a cup of tea, Tulsi tea here and there to calm yourself down if you're pregnant, probably not a big deal. I remember I talked to my midwife when I was pregnant about, um, you know, herbs to be concerned about or avoid or and she was like basically if it really matters in what way you're ingesting herbs like if you're just drinking small amounts of tea then there's no really herb to be concerned about but if you're using you know really strong medicinal drug-like forms of herbs then you want to be more cautious about what you're ingesting so I thought that this uh, reduction of fertility was kind of interesting. And that is talked about in this big uh, botanical safety handbook that I was talking about earlier. And it says that um, animal studies have indicated that holy basil may temporarily reduce sperm count and sperm motility. And also that in animal studies with relatively large doses of holy basil, reductions in embryo implantation and in litter size were observed. So again, I mean, this was in animal studies, and so they're probably using, you know, really large concentrated amounts um, for really small animals and seeing what kind of a effects they can get. But those are something to be aware of if you're trying to get pregnant or if you're having fertility issues and you're working to improve your fertility, then large amounts of holy basil might not be the way to go.
on that note, um, I'd like to talk about some fun ways to work with this wonderful plant. So again, I think really my favorite and easiest way to work with Tulsi is as a tea. It's delicious. It's soothing. It's calming. You get the aroma while you work with it as a tea. You can breathe in the smell of the hot tea and drink it. It also makes a really delicious iced tea. Uh, it makes a really delicious iced tea with some hibiscus added to it as well for a nice cooling drink. It, that Just thinking of that iced tea, it reminds me of um, there was a summer that I was selling iced tea at the local farmer's market and I was, the Tulsi hibiscus was one of my favorite ones to make and sell and it was very popular because it was delicious and there was a Indian man that came up to my table and was like, oh, Tulsi, like, you know, Tulsi, you know, I, th I think that, I think that there was maybe, there were a bunch of people from India on the island because there was a, they were here for a wedding. And I think they're like, what's this like podunk girl on this island in Maine doing with Tulsi? What's going on here? Um, but I was like, oh yeah, you know, I love this herb. And I, I asked him, you know, how do you what do you know about it? Or how do you work with it? Or, you know, because he was like, Oh, well, I mean, it basically, it's when you know, we grow it in the house, you know, outside of the houses and just eat a leaf a day for general health and well being. And I've heard that and read that in other places, too, that in India, that is a common way to work with the Tulsi plant is, you know, because you're a lot of people are already growing it on their out in their courtyard of their house. And so and tending it and so just, you know, plucking one leaf a day and eating it is um, known to be like a longevity tonic and health tonic. So that's one way that you could also work with it, not just as a tea, but if you grow the plant, just eating a leaf a day. Um, the Tulsi glycerite, a lot of or some herbalists make a really nice holy basil infused into vegetable glycerin. I know Avena Botanicals based in Rockport, Maine makes a really nice one. And it just tastes delicious and would probably be helpful for you know, if you don't want to give your ch child an alcohol tincture, so it could be beneficial for children or, if, you know, people that are, might be working with anxiety or stress that are uh, recovered alcoholics that don't want to ingest any alcohol, then that could be a nice way to always have some on hand, like in your purse, if you ever need it, just to kind of calm or soothe instead of, it's easier to carry with you, I guess is what I'm saying, than a cup of tea. Uh, tincture of holy basil again like this plant is as easy to grow as garden basil is and it's easier to find these days as seed or in plant nurseries or farm stands so you can grow your own and really easily make a tincture just by filling a jar with the chopped plant material flowers leaves stems and covering the plant material with 100 proof vodka, like really kind of pack the herb in there, but lightly pack it and then cover it with 100 proof vodka and let it sit for six weeks and strain it out. You could even make an elixir, which might be even a little tastier where you, instead of only 100 proof vodka, you also put some honey in with that tincture. So it would be holy basil and maybe you know, like a quarter of the jar would be honey and three quarters of the jar would be 100 proof vodka along with the plant material. Uh, some people just do straight Tulsi honey. So you could just infuse uh, your Tulsi in some honey and then you could make, you could either take that by the teaspoonful or you could, you know, leave the leaf in the honey and then just take a scoop of the holy basil and the honey and put it in a cup with some boiling water and make a honey Tulsi tea. 
And then I, you know, I, I know I've been talking a lot about how I just love the scent of Tulsi. And I really do. It's beautiful. So there's also just the natural scent therapy as opposed to aromatherapy aromatherapy where you're using you know essential oils which are more drug-like and I would rather work with natural scent therapy the plants in their whole form and in a milder form but still like very nourishing and strong smelling so not any way that you can smell the plant if you have the plant growing in a pot just rubbing the plant and smelling your hand just to help bring you to a centered place Um, or you could do it before you meditate and you could just like rub your Tulsi plant and then settle in for a meditation or a yoga practice or whatever you do washing the dishes if you'd like (laughs) you can also do a steam so you could place you know have some boiling water on your stove and then probably remove it from the heat but so it's still steaming and then throw some Tulsi leaves in the pot fresh or dry um, and just let that steam fill the air and scent the air lots of different ways to work with Tulsi I think people also will add it to food dry it like you would basil and add it to food Um, or maybe even add some to some pesto. I accidentally, I ordered when I was doing my um, farmer's market, I ordered a big bag of Tulsi and I wasn't paying close attention and it must have been the Krishna variety of the Tulsi that was like, it was very dark colored and it had a really strong scent to it and it was not nearly as sweet and tasty as the other green variety of Tulsi. So I would say just kind of be careful as to what Tulsi you are purchasing. I also had a friend who is an amazing gardener and has a huge garden and she um, would order Tulsi seeds probably from Fedco or Johnny's seeds or something and she one year she was like I don't know what I got but I ordered holy basil and it is just not the normal holy basil she's like I don't like it I don't like the taste of it I don't like the smell of it it's just way too intense and so I think she also um, mistakenly ordered the more the purple variety which is a little bit more intense so I would say if you're just getting into the Tulsi and the holy basil to start with the the Rama Tulsi and or the green Tulsi and um, you can find seeds pretty easily and you'd start them early just like you would basil seeds and early in the spring or you can often find uh, holy basil starts at farmers markets or your local farm stand or um, small plant nurseries that kind of specialize in um a variety of herbs, things like that. And you would, it's an annual um, in most, in all temperate regions anyway. I don't know if down there in Florida, if you could have it grow for a lot longer than we can up here in Maine. Uh, But it basically, you would grow it just in a garden or in a pot and then once it starts to bloom, then you would cut off the top of the plant and that will allow for it to branch and become bushier and then set up more blooms. And every time it's starting to bloom, you just keep pinching the tops off the plant or cutting the tops off the plant and you can then uh, dry it out on screens or in baskets or The way I like to dry basil is in like a big brown paper grocery bag and just kind of shake it, you know, like have the leaves kind of loose in the bag, maybe the bag on its side so that they can be spread out more inside the bag, but the bag also rolled and closed. There is still air exchange with the brown paper bag so that it can release moisture but it's protected from sun and excess air and light. So it will be more 
less likely to brown. And you just want to kind of like rotate the bag or shake the bag or shift the leaves in the bag every day um, so that they don't kind of land on each other and not dry well. So just, and so that's what I found to be really beneficial. Some people lay them out on screens or in baskets and then kind of whenever you walk by the basket, just kind of stir them around a little bit to give them a little more aeration. And so they don't, you know, if they are allowed to just kind of sit on top of themselves, they might kind of brown and rot instead of dry because there's so much moisture content to them. And then just store them. You can even store them in a brown paper bag. Um, I find that that doesn't really prevent moths is the problem. And so you could do a brown paper bag in a plastic Tupperware, or you could do um, store it in a glass jar with a tight lid once it's totally dry. And it's ready for use. I've been really enjoying doing these podcast episodes on specific herbs, and I hope that you're enjoying them as well. By learning these herbs in depth as we go through the podcast episodes, my hope is that one lesson that's coming through is the depth that each herb has to offer and the array of health benefits that one plant is able to offer us and how drastically different this is to drugs or even standardized extracts of herbs or thinking of herbs as having one active constituent. Um, I hope that also some patterns are being seen. Like when we talk about herbs with volatile oils, we are going to know they're going to have some of the same properties because of the volatile oils. You know, they're going to be antispasmodic, they're going to be antiseptic, and they're going to be um, often calming or have some effect on our brain or our emotions or our nervous system. So that's just one example. But, you know, you begin, as you get to know you know, one herb at a time, I think that you also can start to see some patterns. Or like I was saying, how a lot of nervines are also going to be beneficial for the cardiovascular system. Things that you, you know, all herbs that taste bitter are going to have an effect on the liver and the digestive system, right? So all herbs that have antioxidant properties are going to be, uh, you know, cancer protective or beneficial for people who are dealing with cancer. So it's, it's fun to like, I think, dive deep with each herb. And this is one reason why I like to work with herbs as simples as well, because you can really get to understand and know the plant in an intimate way. And I think that Tulsi Holy basil is a beautiful example of that because for thousands and thousands of years, there has been an amazing and in-depth relationship between people and this one specific plant to a really deep and intimate and sacred connection. And I really do feel like it's the uh, deep remnant from the earth-based ways that has, was able to remain even as like a more dogmatic and patriarchal and male-based religion um, came into that culture, that there is still this remnant, this green goddess that is very dominant in the religious practice as well. And we can honor that and respect that as, as, an, as a white girl American over here. But I can also learn from that and build my own relationships and sacred connections with my own uh, green allies and green goddesses as well. And I hope that you will too. 
If you want to find more from me or about me or that I'm putting out there, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and my website, all with the tag Solidago Herb School. Solidago is the genus for goldenrod, and I'm pretty sure that's who we're going to be talking about next week. So come back for that. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And if you appreciate this podcast, I would be so grateful if you could rate it. Five stars would be awesome. Um, And if you'd be willing to take a second or two to write a quick review. I love the feedback um, and any critiques. And also just to know that you're out there listening. Um, And it just helps the podcast get more visibility. So I would really appreciate that. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and most importantly, have fun with herbs. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.